The AXPX Podcast is brought to you by Charming Beard Coffee. Go to charmingbeard.com and enter in the code AXPX when you buy a bag of their single roasted coffees and get 10% off of your order. Charming Beard Coffee, quality, small batch, single origin coffee for the discerning coffee drinker. Beard not necessarily required. Welcome to the AXPX Podcast, show number 19. I'm your host, Sean DeRager. Thanks for tuning in. As always, hanging out from Arizona in his penthouse suite, Joey Avalos. <laughs> What's up, man? What's, what's up, Sean? How you doing? <laughs> I'm, doing uh, I'm doing really good. Um, happy to do another show. And man, we got some great things moving forward. And I'm really excited about today's show. I've been wanting to talk evolution for quite a while when, when you brought it up. And uh, when you told me about our, our guest today, I was very excited to, to do this show. So we still got a lot of uh, exciting stuff in the works. And uh, you were actually recently on a uh, Google Hangout with uh, with uh, uh, Jay Baker. So that was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, that's right, man. He, uh, he just released a new book called Faith, Doubt, and Other Lines I've Crossed. And uh, he was kind of doing a little uh, a Google Hangout um, promoting that book and just talking to his... Uh, his readers or potential readers. That's cool, man. Cool. And we shamelessly plugged the show. <laughs> of course, man. <laughs> I wasn't able to do it because I was, it was right about that time was when it's dinner time with the wife and kids and stuff like that. So there's no way that I was going to be able to join it. I was sent you a text message. I'm like, plug the show. Who cares? Who cares well, how shameless it is? I'm still trying to figure out that guy, man. He seems really genuine and, and open and um, you can appreciate that. But still at the end of the day, I'm like, what do you actually believe? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, hopefully, Maybe, yeah. hopefully the bait is set and we'll be getting uh, Jay Baker on the show sometime soon. I know that keep going back and forth via Twitter. So uh, we'll see how that works out. Um, before we jump in today's guest, uh, this week, my brain has been spinning because I watched the first episode of the History Channel, quote unquote, History Channel's The yeah, Bible. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts on that show, Joey? Oh well, let's let's jump. It's first on the History Channel, which was it baffles me because you know you got Pawn Stars and you got Swamp People and all this, and then you got the Bible. I don't know if it's doing any justice for <laughs> evangelicals there, but you know, um, man, it was pretty thick. It was it was interesting. I think what actually was the most interesting is just reading like Facebook messages or Twitter messages, uh, seeing all these evangelicals are like all fired up for it. And, you know, you and I, as we study the Bible and stuff, we look at, you know, Scripture a lot different than we probably did maybe right. five, ten years ago. Right. So when we see it and, they're t- you know, you get this literalist about everything, we're just like, <laughs> how do you believe this is like really true? <laughs> well, for me, and I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into this with our guests a little bit, but for me, right. I, I feel like it did the Bible a disservice because once you kind of show things in a certain context, it shows how kind of ridiculous some of these stories are and um you know like it, it's just it's just ridiculous and it was is actually there was a a youtube uh video that you posted called history channels the bible in under 10 minutes and i'll put right. this in the show notes it's by cult of dusty and uh, it pretty much if you watch it 
uh, it's pretty much what I was going through when I was when I was watching the show. No, number one, they have the whitest of the white people playing, you know, Middle East, Middle Eastern and potentially like African descent, which uh, which was really ridiculous. And then they they left. Of course, they left out anything. You know, like we discussed last week with the skeptics, the skeptical, uh, the, the skeptics annotated Bible, anything troublesome, like Lot's, um, having set, like Lot having sex with his two daughters after they escaped Sodom. And, or offering, uh, or offering his uh, virgin daughters. Or, or even, yeah. right, or even offering them up. So it was, it was pretty ridiculous. And, you know, like you said, like people like, it just blows my mind because, this thing was, you know, they're kind of advertising it as like a historical, you know, we, we live action and cutting edge computer generated imagery. And, you know, they brought in all these, I don't know if they actually brought in historians. It doesn't seem like they did, but they brought in, you know, people like, um, like Rick Warren and, uh, some other kind of Bible. Rick Warren is no Bible scholar at all, but there's other sort of Bible scholars involved. So, um, yeah, well, pretty... they, well, yeah, they brought in Mark Goodacre, which, yeah. you know, he's a respectful scholar, a biblical scholar in the New Testament world, which is interesting. You know, I, I wonder what, where he consulted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I want to I want to dive into we're, we're talking evolution today. So I want to talk about this mm-hmm. show a little bit further uh, with our guest here. So uh, let's just jump right into uh, bringing on our guest. Today's guest is Rachel Nannan Brown. She is the evolution expert on the Dogma Dogma Debate Radio Show. She's also a research assistant at the Arlington Archosaur site under Dr. Derek Main. She is currently studying to be a paleoanthropologist. <laughs> She's a self-described science nerd, outspoken atheist, and friendly neighborhood evolution evolutionist. Uh, welcome to the show, Rachel. Yes, thank you for having me. Did it's I, paleoanthropologist. Paleoanthropologist. <laughs> but you're see, sounding is... more complicated. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you see, science was never my strong suit <clears throat> because I was raised in an evangelical home and we were told science was bullshit. So. <laughs> well, it is. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I'm kidding. It wasn't that bad. I know my, my parents do listen to this, so I apologize. I'm not. <clears throat> anyway, dig myself out of that hole. <laughs> Um, we, Rachel, we're, we're talking about the history channels, the Bible, uh, that premiered last weekend and everyone's all gung ho about it this weekend. I'm not sure if it's Sunday or Monday that'll be showing the next, uh, the next portion. And it was being praised by evangelicals uh, as being, you know, the biggest event you know, ever in the history of, I don't know. (laughs) Christian <laughs> Christian television. Six thousand years we've been here. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so briefly, I want to talk creation, the the creation story. But briefly, what were your kind of thoughts as you were watching the show unfold? Well, um, I at first avoided it. I actually watched Vikings <laughs> instead. Okay. Um, but I did watch it, and I was impressed with how they um, kind of suppressed most of the story. Um, they did have the boat, and they did have the animals on the boat, and God created stuff out of formless matter, even though there were stars in the background. Um, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> and it was just Hollywood. It was it, They ignored a lot of what people actually say, and it looks pretty. And I think I just sat there with my mouth open, <laughs> waiting for it to stop, but... 
it's just sad. It was really sad, but it was entertaining. It's entertaining, and that's the thing that I was most surprised at. It, it, it's on the History Channel, but this is this is like basically how Mel Gibson and uh, oh, who was the writer for Braveheart, uh, Will uh, Randall Wallace, how they condensed like a the 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 William Wallace story into entertainment, right? For Braveheart. Because yes. not a lot of Braveheart is historical. <laughs> so, Correct. So this is basically the Braveheart Hollywood treatment of right. the Bible. I was entertained. And, yeah. then I, and then I remembered as, this, as soon as the commercial started, wait, people believe this. Right. Oh, now I don't like this anymore. <laughs> this isn't right. <laughs> well, you know, to, to give my dad some props, he was actually, he was watching it last week and I spoke with him on, on Monday about it. And he said he was yelling at it like a football game because... He very much knows, you know, he knows the Bible uh, quite quite a bit. He's very well studied and well read in, in the mm-hmm. Bible. And just at all the stuff they were leaving out and how they were compressing oh, yeah. time and everything. And it just, it drove him nuts, even as a believer, you know. So there are believers out yeah, there. Yeah, they, they mm-hmm. really did skip so much. And then my mother, who um, is practically atheist at this point, always, they, where are the dinosaurs? Were the dinosaurs on the boat? <laughs> Where the dinosaurs, and I was like, "Oh, that's right." Yeah, they wrote out the dinosaurs. Did, did you know? Uh, going back to when they were talking about the creation creation story in, in the show, did they show dinosaurs in that at all? I, I missed parts of it. I, I don't remember them showing dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. They 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 showed the water creatures and the land creatures, and then man coming up from a mud pile. Um, but I don't I don't remember like a Velociraptor being anywhere mm-hmm. eating lemons. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I could be mistaken, but I don't think they put it in there. Joey, did you see any dinosaurs in there at all? I, I didn't, but it looked like there was a lot of room on that boat. Like almost like Noah yeah. had a little disco, you know, like hit a little area where he can get down, you know. Yeah, that's probably what they did on purpose. It was only a small room, and oh, the dinosaurs were in there. We just didn't show them. Right. So. <laughs> right. Oh, I, I almost I was I was telling Joey when the show was airing, I was like, I'm totally gonna buy this on Blu-ray just to have it, just because it's entertaining. And then uh, they're trying to sell it for like seventy bucks. So I was like, no, nope, that's okay. No, I don't need to no, own that. No. It's okay. not. It's not that good. No. <laughs> so uh, that's our little plug for the history's the Bible uh, TV show. They're giving us no money at all, um, but it's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's every Sunday on the History Channel, and they'll probably repeat it like all day long, like the next two yeah. days. It's kind of what they do. Um, what did you think about? Uh, Last thing before we actually go into talking about evolution here, what did you think about them kind of whitewashing all the characters? To me, that I was that huge. was hilarious. <laughs> um, but I think I, I kind of expected that. Yeah. I mean, everyone was white. I almost felt like I think it was Moses had a Scottish accent. <laughs> right. Um, there were no, there was no one of the actual area there. Everyone was white, and. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. They just kind of threw a foreign accent in there to make it seem foreign. Uh-huh. But they were all white people, and that's not correct. But it apparently is better for white people to look at. I guess. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Frustrations abound. Not um, accurate. No. You know, what's what's funny was there was a – there's I think they're still in production, but there is a project called Lumo Project, and they're actually trying to take the four Gospels – and they're filming it. And I don't, I don't know if they're – well, they're dramatizing it in Aramaic. Um, and the Jesus is actually – he actually looks Middle Eastern. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and I was like, well, finally, there's someone at least out there trying to get it right. But uh, it's coming out in 2014, so. Probably won't be as popular as this show. Oh, no. 
14 no. million people watched it, I think. No, wow. the first night. That's, That's a lot incredible. of people. Six million for Vikings. That was one of the Vikings. We we watched a little <laughs> bit of Vikings as well. So, all right. Um, well, there you go. That's that's History Channel's The Bible, our assessment. I would love to get uh, do a full show on all the inaccuracies and just from a biblical standpoint. So we'll have to find some some scholar, Joey. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it further. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we can get Bart when he gets out of his leave of absence. We can get him on uh, here. Dude, I don't know. I, I really don't know if actual scholars are really going to be taking this show seriously. <laughs> they <laughs> really. don't. I, no. I, you know, no. I, and I don't even. I don't even know if I want to watch any more of it. You know, I'm kind of just to be entertained, but I'm like, I got too much to do. I was vacuuming while I was doing it, so I felt better <laughs> that my attention span was at least split. There you go. Evolution means that something has become something <laughs> from something else, correct? Yeah. Okay, so my question is, if we're from apes, why are the apes still here? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. If we evolved we from apes, they would have died off. People often ask me, if we're descended from chimpanzees, how come there are still chimpanzees? Well, we're not descended from chimpanzees. We're both descended from a common ancestor who lived there about six million years ago. That common ancestor then produced two branches, one of which went to us humans, and one of which went to chimpanzees, branching further to produce bonobos and common chimpanzees. We are all cousins. We are not descended from chimpanzees. More distantly related are gorillas. They share a common ancestor with both us and chimpanzees. That's the common ancestor between gorillas and humans and chimps. So humans and chimps are a, a natural group which are related to gorillas, cousins of gorillas, and all of those animals, which are all African apes, the African apes are gorillas, humans, bonobos, and chimpanzees. All the African apes have a common ancestor with orangutans. That's the common ancestor with orangutans. Those are all the great apes. So the great apes are all cousins. Within the great apes, the African apes are closer cousins. Within the African apes, humans, bonobos, and chimps are closer cousins still, and within them, bonobos and chimpanzees are the closest cousins of all. We're here to talk about evolution. Of course, we're with uh, Rachel Nannan Brown, and I wanted to ask you before we went off got sidetracked by the, the, the Bible show. Um, what is a paleoanthropologist? Okay. Well, <laughs> most people think it's dinosaurs, uh -huh. and I don't mind that because I actually do dig dinosaurs at an archosaur site, but paleoanthropology is pretty much the story of, of ancient people. Okay. You, you can study the ancient fossils, so millions of years old, back to seven million years old. Uh, you can study the genetics of how we are related to primates. I mean, it's pretty much studying the evolution of man. Um, and I, I went into that just because I love the fossils. And I love being able to tell somebody, no, we do have the fossils, and be able to show them what Afarensis and Africanus, what they are, take them to a museum. But it's actually a very offensive field of work, I've realized. Because hmm. um, people don't like being told oh, we come from monkeys, that's immediately what they say. Right. And you tell them that you study paleoanthropology. Right. 
Um, so. I, I just watched a documentary today called The Human Family Tree. It's a, it's a National Geographic documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are using something called the uh, Genographic Project. Was it, would that be something up That's, this field? or, is, or are you That more is one fossils? of the branches. Okay. That is um, the genetics. And I love that. I actually ordered um, a genetic analysis a week ago from 23andMe.com to get um, my genetic analysis of my maternal and paternal lines of, I think they go back 175,000 years. They show you how yeah. much Neanderthal DNA you have. So that stuff I, I also studied, but yeah. I, I know more about fossils. I'm sure some people have more Neanderthal than others. Yes, it, but it, it, it's only a little bit. I think okay. my, um, my friend was t- <laughs> 2.7 and most people are 2.5. Okay. So we'll see what I am. Well, I mean, some people like, like people in the Walmart parking lot. Mainly. <laughs> well, they would be more like um, Homo erectus. Because okay. Neanderthal is a bigger brain than us. So. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Maybe we're the Neanderthals in that sense. <laughs> Probably. All right. I'm in a weird mood today, everyone, so I apologize uh, in advance for any offensive things I may say. <laughs> I'm very offensive, too. Okay. You just right. blame it on me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you have any idea, like, do you know kind of the specifics on how that cheek swab works? Like how they're able to map DNA because to me it was pretty, it was fascinating. I haven't got to the end of the documentary, but I thought that was just a, a fascinating method of you know finding out your ancestry. Um, well, it's really, really complicated. Uh-huh. They kind of detail it on their website, but um, it's pretty much that your cells all carry your DNA, and your cells are in your spit, and you spit in a vial, and they're able to extract that and then compare you to everyone else who's done it. But it used to be probably around a thousand dollars to get this done it's only a hundred now so okay. they've they've mastered the technique and it but it's very complicated yeah yeah right very interesting i, I want to do uh i want to do that as well yeah it's only a hundred now which is the lowest it's ever been so takes about a month mm-hmm. so before we get any further here i want to know a little bit more about you rachel what's what's your do you have like a specific religious background have you always you know brought up atheists what's your well what's your i since I'm in Texas, everyone thinks that I'm probably like a Baptist or, you know. I actually was raised Presbyterian because my parents were from the north. And I went to a Presbyterian church till I was, I think, 10. But um, my family, I realized, were going for social, to fit into this, to the group and to, to the city we were living in. And we had a lot of friends there. And I found out my dad was a secret atheist when I was... 11. My brother became an atheist when I was eight. And my mom, um, eventually, whenever I was, yeah, 10 or 11, the preacher left our church and we got a new one. And he stood up in front of the church and said, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you won't get into heaven. And that upset my mom. I guess she didn't believe that which means she probably wasn't a true Christian in a sense. And so we left church and we never went back. And um, I think atheism was a natural progression to me because I, I lost Santa, I lost the Easter Bunny, and then whenever my brother was like, do you believe in a God when I was 11 or 12? And I just kind of no, of course I don't. And then he's like, what? Well, that was a really big, like, what do you mean? You can't just say that. I'm like, well, I mean, Santa's not real. No, I don't believe in God. And then I, I think I yelled at somebody in the sixth grade that God wasn't real. And ever since then, it's just kind of been a natural state hmm. of mine. It's, it, I never had that, 
that moment of, wow, I'm not a Christian or wow, I don't believe in God. So um, I, I'm actually really interested in people that have to go through this, yeah. this emotional, <laughs> oh gosh, it, it's, it can be really hard on a lot of people. A lot of my friends, it's a hard road. And so yeah. I yeah. never felt that. Yeah, you don't have all this uh, unwiring to do, rewiring mm -hmm. to do. Yeah, I, I, I have to look in and go, why, why do you believe that? Well, that, that seems dumb. Oh, wait, <laughs> I never felt like that, so I have no idea how that feels. Yeah. Right. So I had it easier. Um, do, you, do you think that being an atheist has given you a, a disadvantage or an advantage when it comes to teaching, you know, when it comes to teaching evolution to people? Um, depends on the age and where the person's coming from. If it's, if it's just an, a person who is not religious or just doesn't care, like most of my other friends, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, they, my atheism doesn't come into play even at all because I am an atheist, but I don't even think about it. Like that's, that's nothing within evolution. You don't have to understand evolution and then become an atheist. But when it comes to the more religious or creationism, it's it can become harder. You have to tell the person that you're an atheist, but you don't have to be an atheist if you want to accept evolution, because they're just going to assume that you want to convert them into atheism and everything you say right. evolution-wise is atheism. Like, well, no, I you don't have to be an atheist. I'm not going to ever mention it. I'm never going to say that God didn't do anything. I'll never say that. But it can be hard to convince people that, that's your agenda, just to teach them about science. So, so it kind of it, it kind of relies on your audience, then. Yeah, it really does, and and I can pick my audience right now, and I've had a lot of nice people, so. That's good. So you haven't had to have any conversation with anyone like Ray Comfort or. Ah, <laughs> uh, not yet. Uh, I I'm very well versed in uh -huh. the ways of Ray Comfort and his following. Um, I've talked to a couple creationists, but whenever you talk to people one on one without the cameras watching them or, you know, on a podcast, they uh -huh. actually usually understand what you're saying and get caught and go, wow, that is really cool. That makes sense. Oh, wait, I'm not allowed to say that. Uh, <laughs> right. I'll get back to you. And that's the, uh, the moment that's important to actually cause a, a seed of doubt, but behind closed doors. Mm. It's interesting. So... Well, hey, uh, let's take a, a musical break here, and then, uh, Joey, I'm going to turn it over to you for the next uh, yeah. segment here to throw some questions at Rachel and, and, and talk back and <laughs> forth here. But uh, uh, today's band is Autumn Owls, and they had an album come out last year called Between Buildings Toward the Sea. Well, uh, they just recently released an acoustic version of that album, and they, they're calling it The Long Way Around. So this is a song off of that album. They're releasing two songs a week on spread out on different websites. I'm not sure exactly where you can find this song, but um, you can you can hear it here and and go to autumnowls.bandcap.com to actually grab the tunes there. The song is called Spider from the album The Long Way Around. You're listening to the AXPX podcast. Sniper 
waiting spring I'm on fire This house is cold There's a creaking door Where the past gets in There is a grapnel that keeps me locked in self-contempt. I am just a spider crawling through the woods of a boat. No Autumn Owls with Spider from their acoustic album, The Long Way Around. You can find their music at autumnowls.bandcamp.com. Grab that there, and um, you can find that song for free. Oh, gosh, where can you find that song for free? There's a website called Independent Clauses and a website called Open Open Ears uh, that are giving the tracks away for free right now. I'll post these in uh, in the show notes. All right, uh, well, we're, we're talking to Rachel Nannan-Brown. Uh, she is the evolution expert on the Dogma Debate Radio Show. And uh, Joey, man, I'm going to turn it over to you because I'm sick of talking for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, Sean. Well, you know, 
I, I think when Sean and I were talking about this show, um, education is, is, is key to everything. And mm-hmm. like with anything, when it comes to evolution, it can be a daunting subject matter because at, at some, at some degrees, even adults have a hard time grasping it sometimes. Most adults do. Actually. Yeah. Most adults. Exactly. So when we think about it, it's like, you know, um, if you have children, like Sean has children, I, and I thought that was like, how would you teach your kid evolution? You know, do you fully grasp evolution? So that's kind of what we've been, what we were thinking about is like, what would Rachel say to a five-year-old or, you know, tell parents how to teach evolution to your children? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, like you said, I, a lot of people don't even understand evolution. So right. it, it can be weird to try to discuss it with kids. And so right. I, I, quickly looked up some resources because mm-hmm. I, I'm not a parent. I, I've, right. I have a lot of friends who are parents and they don't even talk about it. And mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of five-year-olds are going to be able to grasp it, which is fine. Um, I don't think a lot of 10-year-olds are going to be able to grasp really what evolution is. Mm-hmm. But every parent knows that you, t- you teach a child how much you think they're able to understand. Right. And then they'll go, oh, okay. And they'll run off and go do something else. <laughs> until they're six and then they come back and they ask an even more complicated question. So I, I found some resources where a website has compiled things that are games, books, um, posters, all sorts of stuff for different age groups. And you, I think these are things that are they're really good to use with kids because to tell a kid that used to be a fish, they don't, they're not going to understand what that means. And, and you know, that's okay. Right. But if you have a game to show, okay, well, we used to be fish, but what came after the fish? And you can click a button and then the, the fish swims through the ocean and then it turns into Tiktaalik, which is a, you know, an on land kind of reptile. That's going to make a lot more sense to them than just saying, oh, well, we come from monkeys. And they're like, well, how do, what do you mean we come from monkeys? Well, yeah, I don't really know. So, these games are all actually organized based on how much a kid's going to understand what they really need to understand about it. Cause I don't think it really is um, up to the most parents to, to completely understand evolution to my, I guess, level. You don't need to learn that it's way too much stuff, but you need, you also need to get yourself educated a little bit. I mean, you don't have to read Richard Dawkins and atheist propaganda as some people think, but even you just playing these games first and understanding what they're trying to say and mm-hmm. um, looking at the different resources of what what you need to do per grade level because they're not going to talk about it in school. And, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, just if you play these games and you yeah. kind of grasp what things are important for a kid to learn first. And, and I asked one of my friends who is an atheist, but... Um, she has a, a young girl and she taught her kid about evolution early. And I asked, well, what did you, what did you talk to her about? He's like, well, you can't just say, oh, well, evolution is, is adaptation and mutation through natural selection. Because <laughs> right. they're just going to look at you and think you're crazy. And she's like, well, I just, I, I taught her about dinosaurs and I taught her about, you know, really, really old things, how old the earth is. And a long time ago, we weren't here. These creatures were here and, and just, you, you have to start building up these these ideas of ancient organisms, how big they were or how small they were, and eventually you'll get to the point where they can understand that now we have us. And I go, mm-hmm. oh, well, a long time ago we had dinosaurs, and they can start to grasp these things. But um, 
I think it's a very complicated thing to try to start talking about. Right, so right. I, I understand that. Yeah, it is. It could be tough. And we'll actually talk more about it in the third segment about education in the school system and everything. Because um, actually, you know what? I When I wanted to learn evolution, I actually bought, uh, I purchased the audiobook uh, Richard Dawkins, The Greatest mm-hmm. Show on Earth. Mm-hmm. And I, I myself, I found it daunting. You know, it's like 14 hours of Richard Dawkins <laughs> trying to explain it to you. Yeah. And you have, it could get pretty daunting, you know? Yeah. And, and even that is, he tries to break it down to a simple level. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, it's a lot of information. And so, um, and getting to know somebody who knows evolution too to help out isn't a bad thing. So here I am. Yeah, exactly. I can always well, help. <laughs> yeah, well, we appreciate it because I mean, I think you can help us with our next question is the biggest misconceptions of evolution. You know, a lot of people, uh, I think I posted on your page, Sean, today with uh, Stephen Baldwin when he said, like, explain this. You know, if, there, if we came from monkeys, then why are there still monkeys? You know, that, right. that, and then you got Richard Dawkins comes in and he talks about the common ancestors and, <laughs> you know, tells them the facts. Right. And the facts are never as uh, short as the, the claim of why are monkeys still here? Well, 65 million years ago and then 14 hours goes by and you don't right. understand what just happened. Um, right. Exactly. There, so you want me to go through some misconceptions? Yeah, that you come, that you come across a lot okay. of like, misconceptions. Yeah. Well, um, the misconceptions actually become the arguments um, for creationism because if you don't understand something, it's a great argument to throw at somebody. And there are probably hundreds of them, and they come from original, like Ken Ham or Kent Hovind. But one of the main ones I come across is that evolution is random and, cha- and by chance. And so humans had to have come about just by one-step chance mutation. And how would that happen? It's too, too complex. And that one, it really is behind most of the claims and misunderstandings of, of evolution because, I mean, that's even behind the whole monkey. If, if monkeys are still here, you know, how do we come from them? I said, well, you don't understand how evolution happens by steps, by very, very small steps, mm-hmm. and over time can become something different. So... The very first one, I I mean, I just typed it out, is implying that life evolved randomly or by chance. And the short answer to that is that the mutations that happen are random. I mean, you can't can't really pin down how often mutations happen or what mutations are going to happen. But whenever you add natural selection, that takes away the randomness of what the result is. So the creationism claim of a tornado going through a junkyard and creating a plane, that is what they say evolution is. But that is the complete opposite because natural selection actually is going to take the mutations that happen randomly and construct something bigger that is more complex. So it's not by chance. And Mm -hmm. you have to stop people at that point of, no, actually, you're wrong. Let me tell you how actually, how ordered everything is. Um, let's see the second one that everything, okay, this one's dangerous that, that everything's getting big, like better that, um, if, if humans are the best things in the world, you know, why, why is everything still here? Why are monkeys still here? Everything's evolving to us. And that is based on the, the idea that natural selection is working for something or mm-hmm. has a mind 
like a god would. And that's not the way it works. Evolution doesn't care. Evolution is not an entity that's trying to create something better. It's just something that's more adapted to its environment. So a slug is not a lesser creature to us. I mean, we would probably die in its environment if we had to, you know, crawl up trees and burrow in the ground and eat dirt. We would be terrible at it. They are better at it than we are, but we are better at creating structures. So we're not better than them, but we are more adapted to what we do. Mm. Um, let's see that every, that something can evolve during a, a single lifespan, and that was actually uh, on the my show, the Dogwin debate. Our host got pulled over by a uh, evangelical because he has a license plate that says atheist. <laughs> right, and so she pulled. Pretty That's much trouble. followed him and pulled him over and started questioning him. And oh, that was wonderful. I actually, not to interrupt you, but I actually, uh, I listened to that, uh, that episode. I thought it was hilarious. It was oh great. my gosh. And that's what we find around here. And he only talked about evolution for a little bit because that's not his, um, his focus. But she, she said, well, I haven't seen anything evolve. And he said, well, that's not the way it works. I was like, yeah. well, you know, I haven't seen mud scarpers evolve into giraffes. In, in one 70 year span, like, well, that's not the way it works. It's going to take millions of years. And even trying to find something that's evolving within human um, records is going to be extremely difficult. So people expect to see it. And since they can't see it, that means it didn't happen. Well, it's that whole like micro versus macro evolution. You know, they go, oh, well, I believe in micro because of this and that, but not macro or whatever. Right. And they only believe in micro. Because mm-hmm. they've been forced to believe in a micro. I yeah. mean, a hundred years ago, they would not. That is, they probably would have gotten their heads cut off or something. <laughs> right. It does not happen. <laughs> well, we're seeing microevolution happen. Just, I, I know I was watching Discovery Channel or something like that, and they're talking about how some sharks are appearing in, in, in like colder water than normal mm-hmm. or things like that on like off of Australia, I believe. So they're starting to see like different like sharks that shouldn't be living in certain waters living in that waters because they've adapted to that. And yeah. up till now, they've never been able to survive in those waters. So we see micro evolution all the time now, especially, you know, the more and more science advances and right. we discover right. new and species. People just don't a lot of people don't even grasp that is evolution like the rhino its horn getting smaller and smaller over time because we're killing off the ones with the bigger ones. So the smaller ones are mating, thus Mm -hmm. we get smaller ones. But, you know, add 100 million years, what does the rhino look like anymore? I mean, it does look like a pterodactyl. We don't know because we won't be there. So, Rachel, I I have the atheist worst nightmare in my back pocket (laughs) here. What about about the banana? Because we know. The domestic yellow banana. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's always a fun one. (sighs) Well... Um, I know this. I, I have nothing to say. <laughs> I am now converted. <laughs> well, I, I know that since then, Ray Comfort uh, has come has basically uh, embarrassed himself. He, he embarrassed himself <laughs> and, and uh, denounced that uh, that Trust idea. Me. But right, and that is that's a great example of someone saying something stupid that has no evidence behind it because the banana didn't always look like that. We evolved the banana to look like the way it is today. The, the wild banana is not yellow and soft and perfectly tilted towards our mouths that has a great <laughs> peel that 
opens a specific way and like a tab of a Coke can. And it didn't always look like that. We actually made it that way. And so as soon as people started developing the videos of um, how to have a rebuttal against him, he retracted a statement. But 99% of the time, they don't retract their statements. Right. So if no one ever said anything against that, I would probably be told, well, what about the banana? But yeah. that one just isn't used anymore. You know, it's funny because I just, I just, since I started, re- I, I researched it. I always never really even thought about the banana because I was like, oh, that's just dumb. You know, Joey, you saw me on Facebook and I think you made fun of me, but I just yeah. did research <laughs> and I found out that, oh my gosh, I guess the yellow banana isn't, doesn't appear in the wild like that. <laughs> right. right. And, and hey, why you know? would we ever need to know that? And so right. if a creationist comes up with that argument and asks a normal person, well, what about the banana? They're not going to know what to say because why would we need to know about the evolution of the wild banana? Uh So we're forced to learn about that stuff and go, wow, it didn't always look perfectly like Ray Comfort's banana. Yeah. So, (laughs) right. I mean, that's interesting. That's another just a modern example of evolution in action. Um, I mean, I'm looking at my backyard right now. We have a tangelo tree, it's a cross between a, you know, tangerine and a, uh, grapefruit, I think. And an orange. That's, you know, those don't, those have never appeared in the wild, you know, and I have one in my backyard, you know, it's just. Right. And a lot of wheat species uh don't even exist. And that's actually one of the resources on, on the website of it's bioscience for the future is actually going through the different types of, of wheat evolution that we've seen from the original stock that we've Mm -hmm. changed. A lot of things have evolved and we don't even know it. Well, so what would you say about the? Because I know there's an argument by, about gaps in the fossil record. That's another <laughs> another argument that creationists like to bring up. Uh, well, that will require a whole entire show, but because <laughs> yeah. um, that's my specialty. <laughs> uh, well, that's completely false, and one of the most common arguments. And you can just Google transitional fossils if you want, and then look at the images, and there are charts upon charts upon charts that either link to, you know, more simplified information or science journals Mm -hmm. of all of the transitional fossils that we do have. Um, Just because people don't know about it doesn't mean they're not there. But also, it's it that can also stem from the fact they don't understand how things fossilize. Mm -hmm. If we do have a gap, it's a small gap that only is highlighted from people like creationists that ignore every other gap we've already filled in. And it doesn't, it doesn't disprove evolution that we don't have the fossils yet between two specific points that they determine is important. And it's because fo- things that fossilize are really rare. I mean, you have to die in a specific setting. You don't get eaten, most likely. Your bones aren't strewn about, which mm-hmm. is very rare. You have to have a lot of moisture. You have to get buried rapidly and then also find yourself unearthed millions of years later by a homo sapien that didn't build a building on top of you. And that's really rare. I mean, I dig up fossils at the Archosaur site and the fact that I find fossils almost every day is like kind of insane. That usually doesn't happen. But it's like if a creationist showed up and said, no, those fossils don't exist and there's a gap between the, the crocodile and the turtle. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you, how you don't have the right to say that. You haven't looked at anything. You, you've never done any science journals. So the information mm-hmm. is out there. The gaps usually don't exist. If they do, things just don't fossilize well. And 
that it's being exploited by people who don't understand the information. So just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, that's your job, what, what you do. Like, I mean, Sean and I were talking about this, like, as kids, you kind of always dream about that. It's like, man, let's go look for buried dinosaur bones, you know, right. or doing that. and you're actually doing that. That's just really cool. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I like being able to use that as, as evidence of like scientists aren't just these evil <laughs> old men who create the fossils that make up stuff that are, you know, Darwinists that are all atheists. I mean, I'm a 25 year old girl who does this like four days a week. And if you don't think the fossils are real, come on, come with me. I'll teach you how to dig and we'll find fossils. And people don't really like being shown that I, I didn't make the fossils myself. Well, I'm a little curious on that process. Like, how do you find a site like that? How's like the process of uh, going about, you know. Uh, Locating fossils? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, a, a, a weird thing that people don't really think about is that every piece of land that you know of mm -hmm. used to be a strata from millions of years ago right. and it could be earlier or later. And ours was just by chance that people were uh, surveying the, what, the site. I think they were kids and they actually were finding um, like teeth and they were finding bones sticking out of the ground. And they're like, well, well what is this? And they took it to the local college and I, I think it was um university of arlington mm. and they're like wow like you found all these fossils and at the same time a, another group was also doing the exact same thing they were literally walking around in fields looking for fossils because fossils are, are everywhere and so we found out that um there are so many fossils in this specific area because it used to be kind of like a delta mm -hmm. kind of like louisiana 100 million years ago that there was a lot of moisture and there were rivers and, and lakes and so things died in the water and they got fossilized really well. And so we have ancient crocodiles, hadrosaurs, turtles, um, we have all sorts of stuff. And so we just got lucky with how much we have, but right. you can look out in a field and probably find something. That's amazing. Wow. That's so cool. Yep. Well, that's cool. You know, I was, this is a side note, but we were talking about it a little bit earlier, you know, like Ken Ham and uh, his create, his creation museum. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of become the the new Mecca for atheists. You know, they like almost take this journey oh gosh, there. I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask if you've been there or if you have some I friends have who've been there. <laughs> I have, we have our own creation museum here. Um, Do you? I didn't know Which that. is actually situated on a natural bed of, of dinosaur footprints uh, uh -huh. and the people found some prints that look slightly like human footprints if you have a great imagination right. and you don't understand how they were made and they pretty much built a creation museum and are saying that man walked with dinosaurs and the real paleontologists are going wow this is this is a shame because these are beautiful prints of dinosaurs there's no humans here and so I, I haven't been there yet I want to and Ken Ham, I don't know if I could handle it because I would probably be just way too rowdy and laughing and trying to educate everyone around me about how this this uh, specific scene they've made is completely ridiculous. Like they they made um, Australopithecus afarensis or Lucy, the the upright ape. Right. Uh, they uh, did their own display and they made her look like a gorilla. And they're like, this is Lucy, one of God's beautiful creatures. It was a quadrupedal ape. And I'm like, oh my, 
what is <laughs> you lying <laughs> and it, i would just go insane i think i would go insane but um right you'd have to probably take my mouth shut and arms down <laughs> if i ever went there well that could be very painful i mean you dedicate your whole life to this you study it you know the facts and then you go there and you see everyone you know cr- telling the wrong story i mean yeah. that's frustrating that can be it, frustrating it can it can upset you for I mean it upsets me when people learn what I do and then pretty much just say no you're wrong um, it's all a bunch of lies and we come from God so what you've been studying for six years it's all stupid and you're stupid for believing it it's like wow that's actually kind of insulting to me who has done a lot of work and I've tried to learn all this stuff so if I go into a place like that and I see a mother teaching you know, to young kids that, oh, look, this is Lucy. Um, there are no human ancestors and this is proof. And the kid's like, oh, okay. I'm like, man, those, it's not fair. It's not fair to those kids because they're not learning the real information and they probably won't. So I'm looking at Ken Ham's website right now and he has a whole list of creation scientists, creationist scientists. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he does include a food scientist and a dentist. <laughs> As well, well, yeah, yeah, dentists obviously <laughs> have the credentials. I'm looking I mean, through the list here. I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for like evolutionary biologists and stuff like that. But there's a lot of like biochemistry, engineering. Uh, yeah, and <clears throat> even just, if there were a handful of them that studied evolution and decided that it's wrong and are now creationists, they have to battle the you know the 99.7 percent of all other scientists in all other fields uh-huh. that agree with it. And the evidence. So I kind of just dismiss them as insane. <laughs> but if there was enough of them, maybe I'd listen. Maybe you should get one of them on the show, Joey. Oh, I don't know. Remember we we'll, talked to we'll Seth Andrews? We talked to Seth Andrews about this and he's a man, come on, man. <laughs> you don't wanna <laughs> you don't wanna put yourself through that. <laughs> yeah, it it can be really tough and it they, they come up with arguments that no one's ever heard of. And make claims that no one's ever heard of. So then they ask the person who accepts evolution to, you know, to to, to battle against it. And you're like, well, I've never heard of a bacteria flagellum. What <laughs> are you what? talking about? You just made this argument up to sound sound complicated. Right. So I, there's one thing I wanted to to bring up from that documentary that I watched that they did trace the uh, the the DNA back to one man and one woman. Yes. So. That's- that's, That's what the Genome Project does. So would people, like, would a creationist take that information and say, you know, see, <laughs> Ad, Adam and Eve? Well, that actually is something that's addressed on the 23andMe website because it, okay. it's called Mitochondrial Eve and um, the Y chromosome Adam. And scientists actually don't really like those words uh-huh. because it confuses people. Right. And they won't go into further research of what, they actually are because mitochondrial Eve is 175,000 years old and Eve didn't live in the same area or the same time as Adam, which is 125,000 years old. Okay. So somehow Adam and Eve living in different places at different times ended up making all the populations of the world from Africa. And they'll probably not agree with that. They'll go, no, of course not. I was like, well, then you can't accept these these genetic points as evidence of anything. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just a misunderstanding of the terms. Right. Well, as soon as I heard it, I was like, someone's going to take that and and, yeah. s- and spin it to the creation story of, of Adam and Eve. Yeah, I've already been told. We fa- they found Adam and Eve in, in the genome. I'm like, 
do you know what you're saying? Right. <laughs> let's, let's go to Google and let's learn some stuff. Because <laughs> no, no, they didn't. Well, speaking of learning, let's let's come back and talk about uh, education. Um, let's take another musical break here. This is Autumn Owls one more time with the song Spare Room from their album The Long Way Around. You're listening to the AXPX Podcast. My God, the pressure's on Riders blocking a breathless snow Like sand in my shoes Like salt in my wounds Blood pulsing beneath the blister Paint in the sparrow The stars in the eyes of the monster Crouching in the long grass of night I'm in the sparrow You knew I lied When I said that I'm alright Their acoustic album, the long, the long, the long way around. Oh my gosh, the long. <laughs> I'm evolving into an Asian. <laughs> the long way around. Uh, it's available right now on their Bandcamp, autumnowls.bandcamp.com. See, I told you, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a bit off today. Yeah, I man. I'll mispronounce things. <laughs> So jumping into education here, there there has been a push, um, and I'm not really, you know, I don't really keep up with the politics of it, but I know that there has been a push to get intelligent design into the schools to be taught alongside uh, evolution, because mm-hmm. a creationist thought or an intelligent design person's thought is like, well, they're both just theories, so why not present both of them? Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's actually. Um 
linked to the misconception of that evolution is just a theory and so is creationism. It's misusing the word theory, not mm -hmm. understanding what science means by theory and how like important and, and a very high step on the ladder and over a hundred years, 150 years of evidence has been under evolution and there is zero for creationism. But in, intelligent design is the more recent rewording of creationism because mm -hmm. they can't say creationism anymore. So they have been for a long time trying to get intelligent design as teach the controversy, teach the sides, uh, having education, freedom, and um, they, they, they come up with new ways to do it every time. Mm -hmm. But recently, at least that I've read, we've had some disputes at the Texas State Board of Education with higher-ups trying to discredit evolution in books because they can't just completely leave it out, but mm -hmm. they can uh, try to limit the information or try to word things in which convince kids that it's not proven yet. Like, oh, well, the, the theory of evolution that is still trying to collect evidence is this. Well, you didn't need to put that is still trying to collect evidence. Why did you need to put that? So they are very sneaky in their ways of trying to get doubt under evolution mm -hmm. as well as getting creation of schools. And I think there was four, four bills encouraging teaching theories of origin of life other than evolution, which Montana, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Colorado, they introduced six anti-evolution bills and they let's see, they're trying to redefine biological evolution and partner it with biological intelligent design as if that's a science. And mm -hmm. so they're, they're doing okay with, with trying to get these out, but just the next year, they're going to come up with more bills of just trying to discredit evolution, get it out, get doubt into it, even if they don't get intelligent design in with it. Uh -huh. So I don't, it, it's not going to end anytime soon, I don't think. Yeah. Did you go to school in Texas, Rachel? Is that where you're, you're born and raised? Yes, I am. Um, in, in Garland, Texas, I went to school, and mm, okay. I I don't even remember the word evolution in any year of science uh -huh. class. I never heard creationism, though, but, I mean, I'm sure it was a paragraph in my biology textbook in ninth grade that was probably assigned to read, mm -hmm. which kids just don't read assigned <laughs> readings, and we all know that. And so I didn't read it, and it, it was never covered on the test. We never had a lab about it. So I, I literally didn't learn anything from, from um, high school or middle school. There was nothing. So, How about you, Joey? Did you, did... No, man, I don't, I don't remember anything, honestly. I mean, I, in high school and even junior high, I mean, I was just into other stuff, you know? Yeah. So you don't, you really don't pay attention to that stuff, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, you, when you get older, you're like, man, this stuff is cool. I want to learn about this. And of course, that's how life goes. But, yeah. uh, but also, I think in Oklahoma, uh, I don't know if they passed this law, but almost like if kids, here's like a more paraphrasing, I think, if a kid writes a paper on like more uses creationism or anything like that, that they can't be docked, can't be like, oh, you failed the assignment, right. you know, something like that, which I don't know if they passed it, but I think they did. 
Uh, I know it's a big controversy in Oklahoma recently too. Yeah. yeah, it's just finding all these secretive ways of of not punishing teachers for teaching creationism or mm. not teaching evolution. And it's it works for a certain period of time, but I'm hoping that the fact that we know about it and have caught them, it will be stopped soon but i'm not i'm not thinking it will be but i'm the the main thing was even though i wasn't really taught about it or creationism evolution biological evolution is so important to understanding biology it's it's the base of understanding it is the reason why biology is here and the way it is so it's i think it's damaging to not teach at least high schoolers of what happened, why it happened, why do antelopes have long legs, you know, why does the cell have an outside border, why do bacteria act this way, why do viruses, you know, only replicate when they take over a host. The actual theory of why this stuff happens, I think, is so important to teaching, not only um, just this is the way it is and memorize it. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, I think it's damaging. I'm, I'm starting to see kind of a ray of hope here, even with uh, homes- homeschoolers. I just saw an article, I think it was yesterday, mm-hmm. that a lot of uh, evangelical homeschoolers are even, like they're trying to embrace uh, evolution. They're actually asking for curriculum talking about evolution, which I found was pr- pretty fascinating that that's happening now. I'm suspicious. Are you, <laughs> are you suspicious? I don't know why. But, I mean, not all homeschooled kids, you know, get taught creationism. Right. One of my atheist friends is, wants to homeschool his kid, and he is huge into evolution. But um, I think if at least evangelical Christians are trying to learn about evolution, they're trying to learn about it so they can address their children's questions when they start asking, well, you know, my friend said that that's not true. I think the parents are wanting to know a little bit more mm-hmm. so that they can somehow use it against the kids. I don't think they're actually doing it to try to understand it and accept it, but yeah. maybe I'm just being pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you well, might be right. Well, I'm wondering, like, if you're going to homeschool your kids, I'm wondering what options you have. Like, uh, you know, maybe this, from what, what I'm reading is it looks like the large, the majority of homeschool curriculum uh, is run by Christian kind of educators so all they have is like the answers in genesis curriculum so you know it's good that at least they're asking for it you know what i mean so yeah maybe they'll learn about it and unknowingly realize that it makes sense Mm -hmm. and it'll backfire yeah well i mean because i was i was always taught you know watch out for your science teacher he's gonna try to teach you evolution (laughs) and i remember distinctly like our Hmm. science teacher his name was his name was mr schaefer and i remember I wish I could, you know, he was in, in Iowa and I'm, of course, in, in Southern California now, so I can't sit down and have a beer with him <laughs> and talk to him because he, I think he mentioned it one time. He mentioned like uh, evolution or, or even he was like, and he, he said like, you know, some people don't believe in, uh, in evolution. And he kind of got this little glint in his eye and kind of smirk. And, uh, it was just, I wonder what he was thinking. You know what I mean? I, I feel yeah. like I feel like he wanted to kind of go more into it he on a rant. To. And I don't even know how I would deal with that if I somehow became a science teacher uh-huh. of, of pretty much being pushed to not really talk about it because you're going to get a kid going, well, my mom said this and I, I'm not supposed to believe in evolution. That's a lie. 
you can't battle a kid in the middle of the classroom. So you yeah. say, well, some people don't believe in it. Smile. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of moved on and I saw in his, he kind of chuckled and I saw in his, in his eyes, I was like, he thinks it's bullshit. <laughs> you know, he thinks that creationism, <laughs> but I, I knew he was holding back. So yeah, yeah, I don't, uh, that must be a frustrating position for a teacher to, to be in. Cause you wish you can just teach the facts. Like here's the facts that we know and the facts could change you know the more we go along the more we learn we change these facts and that's the problem with the the creationism argument or the intelligent design argument is they have what they say is their facts and it does not change it's never changing and then they use the fact that we say we change against us saying well that means that your your idea could change in the future to creationism so why should i believe you yeah well no that's not the way it works our Evolution is not going to change. It's our understanding of such small parts of it that you don't even know what they're arguing about at this point. It's if sexual selection is more prevalent in a species or selection of geographic stuff. And like, well, what? People are arguing small parts of it, but the theory is not going to change. Biological evolution happened. Yeah. Right, and I think we just read a, a an article on that too. An evangelical was talking about homosexuality, how that makes sense in evolution, and how that you know they were just saying, "Come on, you didn't weren't just born that way," and all that stuff because it goes against everything you know Darwin's this and that you know. And I I'm curious how you would answer that because like I, I see this constantly on our our Facebook um, mm-hmm. on our Facebook page a lot. So yeah, well that's. Pretty much, I mean, they're trying to adapt to the amount of information that we're throwing at them. Like, mm-hmm. microevolution was thrown at them. They had to adapt to it and accept it at some point. So they are trying to learn about what we're trying to say and then use it against us. And a lot of people won't know enough to, to battle it. And that's them trying to take the understanding of who can reproduce more mm-hmm. will be the ones that contribute to the to the future populations and homosexuals oh obviously they they have less babies because they're gay and they don't understand that it's deeper than that that Mm -hmm. we've actually found genes that possibly link a mother's fertility to having a homosexual son so if you have a homosexual son you have more fertility and that will cause the mother to have more children even if one of our sons are gay and they, there have been papers written that homosexual men may contribute to the family more mm. with, with child rearing. And, and, and also it's in every species in a variation that, that homosexual, it's not just you have this one gene and you're homosexual. Uh, I've done, I've read studies about, you know, the brain and how much it varies. And there's the, um, the you and the ram. And actually, there's ho- like 100% homosexual rams that, because they only mate once a year, whenever the females actually become susceptible to the male way of life, because the males are actually having homosexual sex almost all year round. And then during the spring, the females become almost like males. They start acting like them, and they smell weird. And the males like, okay, well, I guess we'll we'll mate with the females this one time, and then they go back to homosexual sex the rest of the year. And there's actually males in that population that never react to the female scent. And so they prefer homosexual sex 100% of the time. And, I mean, are they sinning? Did, did, does Jesus hate these rams? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense. We have it in, I mean, there's um, silverback gorillas. 
it's the, 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 the easy way of saying it is they have boyfriends. Mm-hmm. They, they will have sex with other males and it just happens. And it's just the way it is. And that just shows that evolution is not going to be so strict on it that it can't exist, even if it means less children in a way. Mm. So it's way too complicated for people yeah. to say that. Right. There's, uh, there, I saw an, there's an article here. Um, I'm actually browsing around the answers in Genesis, but they have a link to uh, to an article that a UK academic is a, is complaining that wildlife documentaries are too family friendly and they're not showing enough animal gay sex. What? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to see where where they're linking this article from. It's it's the uh, you know it's the Christian Post. You know, of course, they're saying that they don't like that this guy's calling for that, but. Oh, so he's calling for less heterosexual sex of animals on documentaries well, and kinda, more homosexual sex? I guess just kind of showing more along the lines of what actually happens in nature, you know? Right, I mean? right. We watch them and it's always a male and a female and that's the way it is and they have babies. Yeah. And But there are so many animals that, that really do have, I mean, if you don't have a female around too, even our species ends up having sex with farm animals <laughs> or, you know... I'm from just, Iowa. Yeah, I'm, in in Iowa, I can attest. I've heard stories. I mean, yeah, and in, in like what twenty three states, it's it's legal to have sex with a horse. <laughs> and what? so, it, yeah, <laughs> there are there are more states that legalize sex with a horse than gay gay marriage. It's not that it's, uh. it's, not that it's legal. It's just that it's not illegal. <laughs> oh right. Okay. <laughs> it just shows that we do it, and there's something wrong. <laughs> Where's the uh, benefit of evolution in that? Yeah, that's an interesting way to ride a horse. <laughs> exactly. The saddle's supposed to go on the top. The horse. <laughs> yeah. Let's go up here. <laughs> Shoot. Oh, man. <clears throat> well, um, I think we, we covered these other questions, Joey, uh, earlier about the, right. you know, about the, 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 you know, the resources and everything. Um, Joy, did you do you have any other uh, questions? I I mean, like you said, it can go on forever and ever. Yeah, I just think you know we can also do a little plug. I I did listen to a, a, a not I don't think a recent episode of Dogma Debate, but you do go in more. I think you were answering to a, a creationist or someone the had a bunch questions. of yeah, something like that. So I think you know we're all about you know getting the information, the proper stuff. So I mean, they could go more extent. And right. the, and you know plug your show too as well you know yeah that that episode was the um, there's a campaign for the 15 question that evolutionists can't answer and it, it's by like creation.com or something but they have like shirts and mugs of of like a a cross through Darwin's face of the 15 questions that evolutionists can't answer and so that was emailed to him and he asked me to cover it so it's like <laughs> a whole three hour show. Wow. Of Fifteen questions answered. Which ep- which episode is that, Rachel? Is there a number, or is it recent? Uh, Real quick. I, I, all I know is that the title is "Evolution Explained." I can send it to okay. you. Yeah, send me the link. But, I'll put it in the show notes here. Yeah, and even that is is it's simplified, but those are probably the top misconceptions and yeah. things that are being used against evolutionists. So I try to answer them as best I can. But I just feel like evolution is such a it is such a deep topic, and there's so much to cover. And the problem is, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, even religious people, they don't necessarily want to dig in that deep, you know what I mean? And understand the biology. It wouldn't be as deep as it seems Uh if there weren't people that were constantly trying to come up with arguments against it 
Because, I mean, a lot of my knowledge started with these questions where you have to go through and find where this person is misunderstanding, explain it to them, break down their argument, and then break down all their, their evidence for their argument. And with that, you could just sit down and talk about evolution. And it, that's, that's what I prefer doing, yeah. but I know that's not the way it works. I mean, you have to right. argue these things. So, yeah. where, where would you suggest that somebody who wants to dive in more into this subject where should they start? You know, it, it is so daunting to even just get your feet wet. Yeah. And I, I, I've told people a couple books and even these books are, are ones that are trying to defend against these creationist mm-hmm. arguments, but they also throw a lot of stuff and you need to learn these things about evolution to actually argue it. One of them is Michael Shermer. Why, um, why Darwin matters. Mm. There is, um, coin. I forgot his first name. Um, but it's why evolution is true there. Richard Dawkins is really good. Yeah. Almost all of his books are really good mm-hmm. with evolution. Uh, the great show on earth is, is, is a pretty good recent one. Um, and then Donald Prothero, what the fossils say. Um, that's a really good one, but it, even those can be daunting for mm-hmm. a lot of people. So just, you have to take it one step at a time. Yeah. I mean, get one book, even I recommend having the actual book with a highlighter and we're actually reading it because you need to see the words because if it's audio, it, it can just, it continues even if you don't yeah. understand what just happened. Yeah, right. So if you get at least Michael Shermer's Why Darwin Matters, that was one of my first books when I was 18 years old that I read and I was like, wow, that was, I actually understood it and I've, I've given it to several people and like, that makes a lot of sense. That helped a lot and you can go from there. Also, people can ask me stuff. I that's what I do at the Dogma debate. I, I answer people's questions. I write blogs, and sometimes I even will address a specific person's question on the show. Okay. So, yeah, and that episode that episode is actually episode thirty on the Dogma debate with David Smalley. Uh, one of the first one I did actually the show cuts out, and we had to do it several weeks later. Okay. So. Let me make sure that's the actual okay. one. Well, yeah, just uh, just drop me just drop me a, a little link or whatever. We'll, we'll we'll put this in the show notes. So by the time listener, by the time you go to the website, it'll be the right link. Okay. And the right links. Good. We'll put them both up there. And your blog, Rachel. What's your blog? My blog is actually on the website of dogmadebate.com at the the evolution tab. And my blog is pretty much topics that I find interesting, but. Every single topic I come up with, I usually try to break it down to the point of even if you don't understand evolution or even care about evolution, uh-huh. I can I build it up to something that could be interesting to anybody. Okay. So like I, I talked about the moon last last time, and I, I broke down a whole bunch of facts about the moon. Had lots. Of, I I try to make it as entertaining as possible because no one wants to go back to high school. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of Bill O'Reilly stuff and just right. silly things. So I, I do that almost every week. I'll come up with a new yeah. subject of science that I think is interesting. And so people have been Ty, doing that. Ties go in, ties go out. You can't explain you that. You can't come explain on. that. It's <laughs> definitely not the moon. <laughs> Man. Well, Rachel, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. It's been uh, educational. Um, you know, I, I, I want to research this stuff further myself. So, Yeah, and... Like, like he, y'all have been saying, there's a lot of information and it's yeah. daunting. So don't don't give up So like right in the beginning because if you go to Talk Origins, there's 
so many links and so many fossils and mm. and always try to look at an image if you don't know what something is google it and look at an image okay because that's going to stick in your mind better so yeah and stay away from answers in genesis stay away <laughs> the, the website will melt your brain and stay yep. away from ray comforts it, well, as soon as I, you understand evolution, you, those arguments will become so dumb to you. <laughs> I have to remind Sean daily to stop following certain people on Twitter because <laughs> I'm like, stop punishing yourself, my friend. <laughs> I know. It's self-inflicted. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. One of these days. But it's just so it's entertaining, but it's also right. mind-bending at the same time. Just I follow Ken Ham, so. Yeah. We all like to torture ourselves a little bit. I, I did start up a, a a Twitter account, Yoda Rick Warren. So that was the start of it all. And uh, <laughs> so now I have to follow Rick Warren because we need to figure out what, what Yoda Rick Warren is going to say for the day. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Rachel, uh, like I said, thanks for, for joining us today. Um, when, if sure. there's, I would love to have you on again if, there's, uh, if we come across something, you know, a little more, um, a little more focused. Um, cause I find that we're doing a lot of these kind of blanket episodes, but I feel like in the future we'll be having more focused shows and we definitely like to have you back. Yeah. And I, uh, I can cover anything you need me to, if I don't know about it, I'll learn about it. All right. So. Cool. Well, um, that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank all of you for, for checking it out. Hopefully you learned something and make sure you go to the website, theaxpx.com. Look in the show notes. There's going to be a ton of information in these show notes this week. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash axpx and on Twitter at theaxpx. And, uh, Joey, can, can they, do you want people to follow you personally or are you, uh, yeah, man. Find my name, Joey Avalos, and follow. All right. I'm on there, and I give evolution yeah. updates and stuff. So. Yeah. Awesome. But what's your what's your Twitter? Rachel? It's Rachel Nannon, um, and N A N O N. Next week we'll be talking about the movie The Master with good friend of mine and movie buff Trevor Schoenfeld. So I'm excited to t- to talk about that flick. It is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. So in preparation for that podcast, I highly encourage you to check out the movie. It's uh, I believe it's available on Redbox and uh, Netflix uh, through Disc Rental. I don't think it's available streaming anywhere just yet, uh, as far as Netflix or Hulu go. But I think it's streaming on like like Vudu or on demand. So next week we'll be talking about the movie The Master, starring Joaquin Phoenix and philip seymour hoffman so i'm really excited to check out that movie and talk about it so until then have a great week talk to you later bye